millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lil Tullest, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. Keep the music flowing. We'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. The music world moves fast. Want to stay up to date on the latest albums and get in-depth examinations with the artists? Check out Consequence of Sound, the podcast. Bite-sized album reviews for the music fan on the go who wants to stay in the know and much more. Subscribe to the series on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider and let the writers of Consequence of Sound steer you right. Check it out at consequenceofsound.net slash podcast. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith With. It's an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Wherever you're listening from today, would love you to hit the subscribe button so you can keep up with these interviews. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest is Lenny Kravitz. He's got a brand new record called Raise Vibration that we're going to get into. Talk about how uh, world events and concerns made their way into the lyrics and how Michael Jackson made his appearance on this album as well. There's a song called Johnny Cash. It's got a beautiful, heartbreaking story that ties to the passing of his mother. We get into that. And then we turn the clocks back to 1998 to talk about his album Five. Of course, that spurred the singles Fly Away and that cover of American Woman had a great futuristic sound and sounds like it's going to get a deluxe edition. Kyle Meredith with Lenny Kravitz. Great, thank you. I thought I'd actually say hello from Louisville. Uh, I know you're a, a big Muhammad Ali fan and, uh, you know, birth of him and, uh, and final resting place. I, I just saw this. You've got, like, quite a bit of his memorabilia, don't you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I, uh, he's just an amazing human being and, you know, Sports was, was, was his vehicle, but, you know, he, he was so much bigger than that. Well, I'm really excited about the new record, Raise Vibration, and everything we've heard from it so far. But I wanted to start with that first single that we heard because it kind of, I don't know, sort of segs away from, you know, the, the, you know what Muhammad Ali is out there teaching and everything, but It's Enough is, is quite the epic and, and sort of tackles a lot of ground, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, it... Uh... It's a reflection of you know what's going on in our world right now, and we're living in some very interesting and challenging times. We're at a lot of crossroads in different uh, categories, and these are things that I think about. I think so many of us think about the state of affairs, and, you know, the way we're dealing with ourselves, the way we're dealing with each other, the way we're dealing with this planet that we were given, how our governments are operating what's important to us, you know, and 
What is important to us in so many cases is counterproductive to our state of mind, peace, unity, uh, sustainability, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, it's just posing the questions and just saying that, you know, it's enough. This, this, this behavior, um, this path we're taking is enough and there's, there's a better way. You start your career with a song like Let Love Rule, and, and that becomes a great theme that you've had throughout uh, your albums. You know, in 2008, you asked for a love revolution, and I feel like 10 years later, do we need it now more than ever? Do you find that that becomes a plea or, or a prayer at some point? Absolutely. It's, it's always the answer. No matter what the question is, no matter what year it is, it's always the answer. Because when you love like that, you're working in that consciousness, and you're not operating from ego and the desire for power uh, and control and let love rule and love and all of these things and that, that everyone's been saying uh, that has said it, whether you're Martin Luther King or you're uh, Marvin Gaye or you're Bob Marley or you're John Lennon or you're myself or whoever you may be, whoever's said it um, and whoever believes in, in those values, it's always, it, it, it's funny you listen to something like I, I heard the other day, uh, "What's Going On" by Marvin Gaye, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like it was. It sounds like it was written yesterday. The same issues, the same things, and here we are in 2018, and uh, you know, we're we're still trying to figure it out. And I guess that's you know part of that question too is like, when does a prayer become a plea, almost in desperation? Because you still sound like optimistic to a point you know you, you sound like a glass half full like uh, well, we're not doomed <laughs> i mean i'm always going to remain optimistic and, and, and I, I was raised that way i was taught that way of thinking by my grandfather and my mother and um you know i had very positive people around me uh, growing up you know my family um and people that operated on this vibration people that no matter how bad things were chose to remain optimistic so I've sort of been bred to think that way, you know, and I'm glad that I was. But, you know, time is of the essence. I mean, you know, there are some things that we can fix, and there's, but there's some things that maybe we cannot. Maybe, there's, maybe we're too late for certain things, and we're going to have to learn by, uh, you know, what did Bob Marley say, total destruction, only solution? Right. I hope not. Right. But it seems that as human beings, we don't learn from our past in the way that we should, and we don't collectively change to change the situation. And uh, we might have to face some, uh, some destruction, but uh, I, I will always remain optimistic and always believe that there's a way out. I can't help it, you know. Splitting your time at your homes, I, I think I read that you have one in Paris and the Bahamas, and I'm, I'm sure you're in the States a lot. I mean, that, does that give you... Um, uh, a sense of, I, I think humanity is too broad in the question here, but, you know, the differences in culture and, and sort of the similarities as well of, of how this is all going? Because a lot of us, we're just kind of trapped in an American bubble, you know, and, and we see the news and we can watch the BBC or, or whatever, but, but you know, we're, right. we're still getting one-sided. And I feel like maybe that gives you a different sense of, of what's really well, happening I think, globally. I think, tra- I, think, I think travel is very important. I wish every person could travel and leave the place that they're from and go see other places and other cultures. I never learned so much until I started touring and went around the world and that opened up everything. And, you know, you have a lot of people here uh, in this country or any country they, 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 they may happen to be from 
where they think what they're experiencing is the center of the universe, you know, and uh, there's there's just so much more. So, you know, being in different places and traveling is 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 is, is essential to to uh, to learning yeah. and to opening opening yourself up. I'll I'll jump to some of the. Um... I don't know if I would say lighter fare of the record because low definitely has its uh, its its own dark side in it. I think as well. But you know, when you first hear that, I, I think you you know everybody said, "Oh, that's cool," kind of a Michael Jackson influence. But we're told now that that is that actually Michael in the song. That is Michael. Yeah. How did that happen? It's something that we did, uh, you know, uh, a couple years before he died, and um, you know, I, I I wrote and produced a song for Michael that came out on the Michael on the Michael album. Uh, after he passed and but uh yeah it's something that we you know, had done in the studio and it was an honor to, to have him on the track and, and i didn't say featuring michael jackson i didn't you know i just wanted it to be done in a classy way it wasn't about exploiting him and that's why i just you know he's just giving the sort of exclamation to what i'm saying with his shouts and screams and it's done in a very subtle way yeah. but very powerful but it's funny people say oh you sound like Michael Jackson and you're doing that. And I, no, that's, that's, I'm not trying to do anything. That's it. <laughs> well, it's got to be so cool, though, because, you know, with, with what, Jackson 5, I think, was your first concert, and then to have that come back around like yes, that, you know, that's that's got to be great. Well, the fact that I got to work with him, and, and you know, was amazing, and that uh, we got to know each other a little bit was was amazing. And, yeah, you come full circle, you know. I mean, I wouldn't be doing, I wouldn't be standing in front of him if it wasn't for him. Right. So, it's a beautiful thing, yeah. Yeah, bringing up another legend, you've got a song on here called Johnny Cash. Is there a is there a story that goes along with that? You know, it's it's not about Johnny Cash per se, uh, but he's involved, and basically, I'm singing to somebody, telling them that I need comfort and that you know I don't want to live without them, and I'm referring the feeling that I'm the feeling that I'm looking for from this person is a feeling that I had from Johnny Cash, sort of. I got to tell the whole story, else you won't really get it. But basically, when my mom was dying of cancer, uh, I had just gotten home from a Japanese tour, um, and uh, she actually died a day later. But I, I went straight from the airport to the hospital, and um, I was at the hospital all day. And I then went home to take to take a shower and get something to eat. And my mom died in the time that I was driving from the hospital to the house I was staying at. And the house that I was living in was the house of Rick Rubin the producer who is my friend and that's the house I lived in when I was in LA for many, many years. He was very sweet and uh, gave me a, a room in his house and uh, and that's where I lived when I was in LA. At that time, Johnny Cash was also living at that house because they were making the, the album, uh, that acoustic album. So Johnny and I were flatmates in essence and his wife June. And so I walked into the house and I got the phone call that my mom had passed and I was standing at the bottom of the stairs for a moment, just taking it in. I knew she was going, but I didn't know it was going to be, you know, today, that day. And Johnny and June were coming down the stairs, and they saw me, I guess, you know, they saw that something was wrong with me. And Johnny said, hey, how you doing? What's going on? And I said, man, my, my mom just died. And the two of them just grabbed me and held me and and... You know, and we weren't close like that. We were, you know, we passed each other in the house. How you doing? Good morning. Hello. But this was like a moment where they just were so human and so loving and so supportive. And 
they held me and, and they were just saying things to me and comforting me and it was beautiful. So somehow when I wrote this song, it was so strange when it was coming out. Um, I'm saying to this person that I'm singing to, I'm saying, just hold me like Johnny Cash when I lost my mother, whisper in my ear just like June Carter. And that's sort of the vibe of the song. But it was funny because when I was writing it, all I kept saying was Johnny Cash. And I was like, why am I writing a song about Johnny Cash? Because all the lyrics hadn't come out yet, but I kept hearing the Johnny Cash part. And then as, I be- as the lyrics sort of just came out of me in the stream of consciousness, I, it, it, it really kind of blew my mind that, that this moment was so monumental for me and something that remained in my, in my heart and in my subconscious. And it came out in that way that I'm actually talking to somebody else saying that I need this comfort. And I need it to be like this comfort that I had at that time, because it was probably the last time that I was comforted in such a deep and meaningful way. I'll, 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 I'll seg a little bit uh, clumsily here out of something as beautiful as that, you know, because what I'm always impressed by is that you are such a fan, you know, and, and you talk about your heroes. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, it's fun because you're one of our heroes, you know, and, and we get to kind of see that that side of it, like, you know, of, of you waving those flags, too. I know Prince was a big hero. Uh, not long ago, I was sitting with Gary Clark Jr., who I know you know really well as well. And we were talking about yeah. the greatest living guitarist. And both of us, without taking a breath, said Prince, just in unison right there. And I, mm-hmm. I thought you've probably got a um, – you may have an opinion on that statement as well. But though Prince is gone now, maybe of – now, who is the greatest living guitarist? Who does that leave? Wow. Um, well, yes, Prince definitely was, no doubt. And, you know, you talk about being fans, you know. You know, Prince was a huge fan. I mean, when we used to hang out, we would talk about all of our heroes, you know, and Sly and Larry Graham and, and this one and that one. And, you know, so we're all fans, man. You know, when I'm with Steven Tyler... You know, we fan out and talk about all of our influences and who we love and what records turn us on, and it's great. You know, I mean, that that's I never want to lose that. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll always be that. I'll always be that. You know, twelve-year-old kid in my bedroom listening to records. You know, I'll always be that guy. I have to say, my favorite uh, living guitarist is Craig Ross, like my, my lead guitarist. He is such a legend and. Those that know, know. Like Prince knew. Yeah. Prince loved Craig. Like he used to come to the shows and he would like talk to Craig and he'd watch Craig and he was like, he knew Craig was a monster of a guitar player. Jimmy Page knows, you know. But Craig Ross is my favorite living guitarist. He is amazing and the work that he's done with me for the last, you know, twenty eight nine years is is just amazing. And and one of the reasons is because he's just so versatile. He can play any style authentically, and you know he's got his own sound. So yeah, you know you mentioned being twelve years yeah. old, you know listening to those records and everything, and I, and I thought I was probably twelve or thirteen when you know Are You Gonna Go My Way came out, and that okay, I'm thirty six now, so I'm not done the exact math on that, but uh, mm-hmm. but I know that's celebrating the big twenty fifth anniversary, and and then I had a big coming of age year in ninety eight, and I looked at that in five turns 20 years old wow yeah yeah and that was such a great record i, I thought That's i'd close out trip. yeah i thought i'd close out by asking about that one too because you know five was such a cool record in that it sort of was it sounded to me very futuristic when it came out like even now when i listen to black velveteen and it's got that 21st century right. line in and everything and that, and that music was that something that you were striving for back then to kind of that that what what does the next century sound like 
type of sound? It just kind of happened. It was like I was, you know, you know, I'm a big analog guy, and I still am. And, and uh, but at at that point, I was ex- I started to experiment, and um, I got into using different sounds and different ways of recording, and got into Pro Tools and and blah blah blah. But um, it just kind of happened. It was kind of a reaction, I think, to doing all this really straight old school analog recording, and then I just uh, needed to like break away from that for a moment, you know. But it's funny because so many people say that, and I, I didn't even think of it in that way. I was just making music, but so many people have told me how they feel about that record and, and say the, the same thing that you said, you know. Yeah. So I guess there's something to it. <laughs> I know the, the, the albums before have had the deluxe edition. Do you guys ever talk about doing one with that one? I mean, that ended up being, what, a huge record because of Fly Away and, of course, the inclusion later on of American Woman. It started your Grammy oh, yeah, run. We'll, we'll do it. We're gonna. I know. We're gonna do it. We're gonna. We are gonna do it. We're doing a bunch of them right now. Um, so yeah, that 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 will definitely happen. Yeah. Is there a lot left over from that record? Because there was. I mean, I was always surprised how much there was left over on the other records too. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure how much stuff is. I don't really remember. It may not be too much stuff, but I have to check the 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 vault. But um, sometimes I had a bunch of extra stuff, and sometimes I just made the albums, and that was that. You know. So I'll have to see, yeah. But we're definitely going to do a, a uh, deluxe edition, and uh, uh, that'll be fun. Awesome. Well, I look forward to that. And um, Lenny, I thank you, especially uh, you know talking about this uh, this new record, Raise Vibration. Uh, thank you for continuing to do what you do. Uh, I should also mention here at the end of the interview, you're going to be in Louisville. You're playing the Bourbon and Beyond Festival, so we're going to see you at the end of September. Great. Look forward to it. All right, Lenny. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care, man. All right, bye. Hey, big thanks to my guest, Lenny Kravitz. Again, that new record is called Raise Vibration. Hey, don't forget, wherever you're listening from today, to hit that subscribe button right now. And if you're uh, checking out the podcast, uh, whether it's iTunes or Podchaser, wherever you're getting it from, subscribe there. And then uh, go ahead and give it a rating. Leave a review if you feel so inspired. Then you can head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern. You'll also find some bonus episodes of this series over there as well. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.